that it, it becomes a certainty, right, uh, in our hearts as we know Jesus and we know that he loves us and that he's for us. Um, and it's a hope that's not a consolation, right? It's not like a medal or a trophy, but it's a hope of restoration, right? God's going to restore um, all of the things um, that he intended for us to have. It says, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Right? He is our hope of glory, hope of a glorified life in Christ. The Bible tells us that God shares his glory with no one, right? It says, I share my glory with no one. Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I am the Lord. That is my name. Right? I like how he says that. that. I am the Lord. That is my name. It sounds like a rapper. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved carve idols. Uh, so God says, I'm not going to share my glory with any anyone, but in Christ, we share in his glory, right? That's like the amazing thing is that God, this is God of the Old Testament saying like, dude, I'm not going to share my glory with anything. And then Jesus comes and he's like, John 17, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, right? So the word of God says that we will share in his glory. It says that we are co-heirs with Christ, right? And Jesus Christ is the first of many brothers, that we are a royal priesthood. This all points to the glory that we will share in Christ Jesus, a glory that comes from a restoration of the kingdom of God. And in Christ, we get the life that was intended for us. God, before sin, had a, had a, a life for each and every one of you. He, God is like, dude, I want AJ to live like this. Like, you know, you guys have watched MTV Cribs, right? Why do people watch that? Because they're like, dang, I want to live like that, right? They're like, hey, what's up? Come into my room. This is like, you know, this is my bacon room. This is where I make all my business. Like, I don't know. Not, I haven't really seen that show. But they have these, like, amazing houses, and they show people that this is how I live. These are the cars that I drive. Well, God had an amazing life for each and every one of us before sin came, right? He, he knew that we would live this life. Well, the restoration of the kingdom of God and the restoration that Jesus brings is that we get to have the life that he intended for us. The joy, the love, the peace, glorified body, living in the new heaven and new earth. That is our hope, right? It's not a medal, right, but it's a crown. The difference between a medal and a crown is that a medal says you did a good job. A crown says that you are somebody. Right? That's the difference. Right? Like we're not, we're not, we're not going to get a medal that's like, oh, yeah, you did a good job, Molly. Every time that you did those, like, no, we're going to get a crown that says, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're a royal priesthood, you're, you're a new creation, you are restored, and that's the hope that we have in Jesus. And we start, and as we start this year, I hope that we are all holding on to the hope that we have in Christ, that, that no matter what our situations look like, right, no matter what uh, our church looks like, no matter what our lives looks like, no matter what our future may look like, that you know we're not, we don't base our lives on what may be, but we base our lives on the hope that we have in Christ. Now, I want to continue today from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. We read it last week. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Right? And I decided to do a three-part series on hope, faith, and love. Last week we talked about hope. This week we're going to talk about faith, and next week we'll talk about love. Right? Uh, and you know, these three things I mentioned last week are, are 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 three are not three distinct individual things, but they are interlinked. They're woven together to make up what I would say are the pillars of the Christian life. Right? right? Hope, 
and faith and love, they come together, right? They're interlinked. Right? You, you, they all, like, you have to have one in order for the other. In Christ, the hope and the faith and the love, they all come together, right? And they are the pillars of the Christian life. I talked about last week that our hope is a product of faith. We have hope because faith makes, makes Jesus real to us, right? It's not just like a, a, a myth, right? Everybody, you know, you guys have heard of Zeus and like Hercules, right? People think that, you know, these are myths, right? And, and a lot of people in the world think Jesus is a myth, but then through faith he becomes reality because he is, he is alive. He is real. And, and, and we have a, 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 a hope um, that, you know, is, is great because it, is, it comes from a place of love. Our hope is based on a person that loves us. The product of our faith and faith uh, it becomes real and then love makes our hope meaningful. Right? And not only are, there, are these three things interwoven, but these three things are necessities in the human experience. Right? Human beings need hope. It drives our ex- existence. And we see that when hope dies, people die. Right? We've We've seen it in the countless suicides that happened in Korea and all around the world. Recently, we saw two celebrity suicides that are very sad, right? Of these young girls that are like, they, have, they seem to have like everything that all of the other kids want. They're like, oh, they have such a good life. And you see that their life is so hopeless that they end up killing themselves. And, and we need love. Love is something that human beings need. I don't care how, like, from the, from the moment that you're born to the moment that you die... We all need to be loved, and we all need to love. It's, it's like built into us. I don't care how tough of a guy you are, I don't know how mean of a thug you are, we all need love. Even the worst people, even the worst human beings out there, right? and you guys, some of you guys might have a, a picture of someone in your mind you know, with orange hair, big belly, I don't know. Right? From the moment, I'm talking about somebody, think about it, it's a joke, right? From the moment we're born, right, it doesn't matter how mean or how horrible of a person that we all love and we all, like, want to be loved, right? It doesn't matter, you know, it's just built into us. It's in us. It's a part of the human experience. And faith, what we'll be talking about today, right, human beings need to believe and trust. We need to have something or someone to believe in. We elect government and we elect presidents. So we can put our faith in them. We all need to believe in something. We all do, like from a place of like, of of, of just just the center of our, of our being. We we need to have something to believe in. You know, from religious people to even atheists, we all believe and put faith in something. Atheists look down on people of faith, but in their absolute understanding that there is no God, that everything is all about science and evolution, and when we all die, there's nothing. We just stop existing. That in itself is a belief system. You guys know that, right? You're putting your faith in that. They put their faith in science. It takes faith to believe that there is no God and that we're just organisms floating around in this rock called Earth, that life has no meaning, no real meaning except what we make of it, that in itself is a faith-based system. It's faith, but it just looks different from religious faith. It just looks different from the faith that we have in our God. They put their faith in themselves, 
life that they can enjoy on this earth in the short time they have here. They put their faith in science and government. What I'm trying to get at is that all humans put their faith in something to make sense of their lives, to make sense of their future, to make sense of life and death. This is just the way that we're made. So hope, faith, and love, they are intertwined, and they are all built into the operating system of the human experience. It's part of us. It's like windows. (laughs) When we open it, like, you get windows, and if you get windows, you get, like, you know, Word and PowerPoint and Excel, right? Like, it all comes together, right? It's part of our experience. Now, today, I want to look at faith to, and what faith is to us as believers. I can talk about faith from the outside perspective, trying to make sense of our faith to non-believers. And sometime within this year, I really do want to do a study and a series on apologetics, which is the discipline of defending our faith. I think we all need it, um, and I really want to do it. Uh, but uh, today, I want to speak to you about, about what your faith is to you. And it's, you don't have to, like, we're not trying to defend our faith to non-Christians here. This is, because this is like us being Christians saying, like, hey, what is this faith to me? Because I believe that a lot of people, we really need to examine this in order for us to truly understanding, to, to truly understand what our, where our faith is based and what it is all about. And so, you know, I'm going to be talking about faith, re, like, in regards to your life and the significance it is in your life. And it might seem elementary for some of you guys. You guys have been Christians for a long time. You guys, are, you guys are growing in your faith. You guys have grown in your faith. But someone once said that revival occurs when those who think they already know the gospel discover they do not really know or fully know it at all. Right? That's when revival happens. I feel, like, I feel like there's no subject that I can preach that we're going to be like, oh, I know that. Right? As soon as you, you get to that place, and I've, I've been like that, you're cutting off revival in your life. And so this might seem elementary, but I, I want you guys to know that, that you know, there is, I believe that there is, there's a lot of things that we can benefit from a reminder of what our faith is to us. Now, the book of Hebrews has what I feel is the best definition for the, for the word, for definition of faith in the Bible. And it reads from verse, uh, chapter 11, 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith turns our hope into assurance and brings us conviction for the things unseen. We can't see God or Jesus or even the spiritual realm, but we have a conviction that not only are they real, is he real, we can bank on him, we can depend on him, we can trust him. It's that assurance, right? Like, Like, you know, Imagine, think of somebody that you really trust, right? right? Somebody that you really, you know, like, and they say, I'm going to do something, right? right? When I, the one person that I can think of is Molly, right? I look at Molly, and if Molly says she's going to do something, I feel like, I'm like, there is an assurance in my heart that it's going to get done, right? right? That's the thing, it's like, I know that she's very trustworthy. But that's what faith is to us, right? We, if we, we put our faith in God, and we, he says, this, this is what I'm going to do, and then we have this assurance. It's, all, it's like absolutely done already in the spiritual realm, because that's what faith brings into our life, right? I love Molly. Molly is like, like, I, I don't know anybody as responsible as Molly. <laughs> I think I'm making, I, she's getting really embarrassed, but, yeah. 
Um, faith turns our hope into assurance and conviction, right? So what does this true faith look like for us, those that have put their faith in God, those who have the conviction, who have the assurance um, with our faith in God? And number one, it's a faith that justifies, right? When we look at faith in the Bible, the one man that stands out is Abraham, right? He is called the father of faith. And Hebrews 11 is considered the hall of faith. It talks about Abraham in this way. Uh, 11 verse 8, I'm going to read. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, when born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand in the sea. So the Bible really describes Abraham as this amazing man of faith. And Paul talks about him in Romans 4. This is the passage I wanted to get at. It says, What then shall we say to Abraham, our forefathers, according to the flesh, discovered in this manner? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And I want to move down to verse 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's room was also dead yet he did not waver from unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised this is why it was credited to him as righteousness the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, and this is the part where it comes to us, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from our, our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sin and was raised to life for our justification. And I read a lot right there, but what it all comes down to is he's, he describes, like these writers describe Abraham as this amazing man of faith. But the reason why they talk about it is that his faith, right, his, his, his belief, his faith in God was credited to him as righteousness. Right? So basically his faith justified who, who, him, right? brought justification into his life. One of the most important aspects of our faith is that it justifies us. Abraham was justified by faith. It was credited to him as righteousness. The word justification is found 92 times in the New Testament, and it is such an important concept for us to understand. It's a legal term, justification, and it is the legal standing that we have in relationship to God, in relation, in relation to God. God is just. 
right? And we are not. We have sin, right? And sin separates separates us from God. God is righteous, and he is eternally up there, right? And we are sinful, and we are eternally down there, right? It's like we're separated in this place. Now, what justification does is it gives us legal standing with God up there, but it doesn't mean that we are innocent of the sin that keeps us down there. It's not like God, we're not innocent in the sense that God can't just, like, he can't just, like, just get rid of sin. He can't just, like, like, you know, it's like sin is sin, and he can't just, like, put it away somewhere and so that he doesn't see it. God can't just sweep sin under the rug. The balance of justice still must be maintained for God to be just. Now, what justification does is it gives us legal standing with God up here, right? And, and what it does is it, it, it brings Jesus Christ. The faith in Christ becomes the thing that justifies us into the place that God is. It's where faith comes in. Our faith is the one, our faith in the one that paid for the sins that keeps us down there. And when we put our faith in him who took on the sin of the world, the penalty is paid and we are justified. It's like you're convicted of a crime and you're sentenced to 20 years in prison, but instead of going to prison, your father stands up and says, I'll go to prison in place of my son. And you acknowledge that he is your father and you walk out of the courtroom a free man. Now that doesn't work in, in a court of law anywhere. But that's what exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Our faith in the one that took our place took on the punishment of death for us, justifies us in God's eyes. We can't earn justification. We can't buy it. It's given to us through faith. Because if you confess, Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. As it's from Romans 10, our faith justifies us. It's one of the most important aspects of our faith. That's what, when I first really understood the gospel, I realized that, hey, like, I'm saved not because of anything that I can do or anything. I'm saved because I just, I just have to believe in Jesus. Right? Like, believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and that, that he is the Son of God. We are justified in our faith in Christ. But is that it, right? Is that it? A lot of Christians take this passage and they focus on one part, what I read from Romans 10. They confess with your mouth and you are saved. They focus on this as their salvation and this as an excuse to abuse grace. They say, it doesn't matter how I live because I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. He is my Savior. I'm saved. But what Paul is talking about here is heart and mind, right? He is talking about true faith in the heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And if you truly believe that, you, you know Jesus, and you will be able to declare him as Lord. He's not just talking about words, but the position of the mind and heart. Do you truly believe, and can you truly say that Jesus is Lord? There's one thing of saying Jesus is Lord and actually saying it and meaning that Jesus is Lord in your life. That's what Paul's talking about. And a lot of Christians, and I feel like 
They do like non-believers a disservice because they just want them to confess with their lips. Say it with your mouth. There's this guy on YouTube that, that he'll go around and try to like save people. And then they say, oh, if you say this, then you're saved, right? right? And he just tries to get them to say the words. And they're like, oh, now you're, you're in the kingdom of God. I'm like, no. <laughs> right? And this leads me to my next point, And is that we have a faith that is worked out. Right? It's one that is worked out and is wa- walked out. What do I mean by this? True faith isn't just a matter of words, but one that produces action in our lives. Now, James talked about, he talks about this in his, in his letter, James 2, and he, he seems very angry when he writes this, right? seems like he's really doing this as a response to like something that's been happening. And he writes, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not, not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now what James is talking about here is not that our actions save us. He's not saying that our works save us. The church fathers read the scriptures, including the book of James, and created the doctrine of sola, sola fide, which means a justification by faith alone. Right? That's the doctrine. And it's not like they, they, they read the whole Bible and then left James and did not read James. They take James into account and they realize and what James is talking about is that he understands that faith in Christ alone is what saves us. But his point is this. True faith that saves is not just a confession of faith, but one that transforms us and affects the way we live. Tim Keller says it like this in The Prodigal God. It's a good book. If we say, I believe in Jesus, but it doesn't affect the way we live, the answer is not that now we need to add hard work to our faith, so much as that we haven't truly understood or believed in Jesus at all. Did you guys, did you guys hear that? If, if we say that we, we, we believe in Jesus, but it doesn't affect the way we live a life, it's not that we need to start to do more work. It just means that we don't know Jesus. We don't know him the way that we're supposed to know him. So for us, faith is not just the concept we have, but it's action that is lived out. If we truly believe that Jesus is real, and he is who he says he is, and he's done what he says he's done. And this truth has affected us at the, the center, at the core of who we are. It can't help but affect the way we live our lives. Right? 
If you truly believe that Jesus suffered and died for our sin, it has to change the way that we look at sin. If we truly believe that he loves us so much that he would die and take on the punishment for our sins, and when we truly experience his love, and when we truly experience his acceptance, it can't help but change the way that we love God and we love other people. You know, try to get other people saved, bring them into the kingdom. Like when that truly understanding happens in our hearts, we can't help but change. We don't do it to get saved, but when we have found true faith in Christ, we experience his grace and mercy and love and acceptance, we change. Faith in him produces good works in us. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have a faith that is walked out. We have a faith that is worked out. A faith, it's, it's not a faith that just sits there. But one that walks out in obedience to his word and his commandments. We obey because through faith we know that he is real. We know that we're obeying somebody that is real. True faith changes us, right? And how we live, our actions, our obedience. It's not just words that we say. Imagine if I told you that I took $10 million in gold coins and I buried it out there in Guanghai Beach, right? Imagine I told you that. And if you really didn't know me, you'd be like, Psh, whatever, right? But say you really knew me, and you really knew that I did have $10 million in gold coins, and that, that I was trustworthy enough when I say that, hey, I buried it out there for you to find. If you really believed me, if you really knew that I had actually done that, and they were convinced, you would all be out there with metal detectors and a shovel going up and down the beach every day. Right? Because... What we believe, it changes us. It changes our, our, out, like our thinking. It changes the, what we do. It changes our actions. It has to. If, if I told you there's $10 million of gold coins out there, but you really didn't believe me, you're not going to be out there. You're going to be looking at the ones that are out there doing it, but you just be like, if, if they find it, I'm going to go and ask for some. You know, like, but it, it, it's, it, in the end, if you truly believe, it changes the way that you live. We have a faith that tells us that Jesus is real and he is who he says he is and he's done what he says he's done and he says that his promises are true and if we truly know him, you can't help but live your life differently. You can't but be changed by that. You can't help but bear fruit. We have a faith that is worked out, it's walked out. It just doesn't sit there. It just doesn't just kind of like just remain, and everything in your life is exactly the same. You're living your life the same every day. You do, you do whatever the world does. You're going around doing everything. Then you just say, hey, I have faith. I have this faith. I believe that Jesus is real. But then it doesn't affect who you are. I believe that in the end, you're going to be sorely mistaken. So we have a faith that is worked out. What else? We have a faith that is tested. God tests his people. Greatest example is Abraham and Isaac. This promise of an offspring that's given to Abraham by God, and God tells him to take him to a mountain early in the morning, tie him up, right, and sacrifice him unto the Lord. And what does Abraham do? Abraham, and he's a little crazy. He actually does. He obeys, right? He takes his son. He's like, come on, Isaac, let's go up to the mountain, right? And I've said this before. Oh, Papa, what are we doing, right? 
goes along with it. I'm like, oh, dun, 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 dun. Like I, it's like with Ethan. When I tell Ethan, like, hey, come on, let's go to the store. And he's following me. Like, oh, what are we going to buy, Dad? I'm like, I don't know. Right? And he takes him up to the mountain and he ties him up. And he's like, oh, Papa, why are you tying me up? Right? What's going on? We're we playing a game? And like, like just, just lay there. And Abraham literally is about to bring the knife down. And then God says, stop. Right? Angel of the Lord appears and says, stop. Like, like you have not spared your son from me. And then he gives him this ram to sacrifice. And he said, God cuts it super close right there. Right? But in the end, but in the end, the lesson that we, ha- we have here is that God tests his people. Deuteronomy 8.2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Right? God doesn't test us because he doesn't know what's in our hearts. Right? When you read that, you might think, well, does, God doesn't know, so that's why he tests us. No, he, he knows what's in our heart, but he tests us so that we will know what's in our hearts. Right? He tests us so that, that we, we realize, hey, like, like that's in my heart. He tests us to say, hey, like, I'm capable of this. God tests our faith and it's for our benefit. And James tells us in James 1, 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God tests our faith so that we can grow and mature. It's like our muscles. I, I've been doing bootleg CrossFit. I call it bootleg CrossFit because Ajumas can do it, right? It's like these old ladies that do it, and I'm like, how are you doing this? <laughs> how are you doing this? I can't believe it. It's hard for me, but we, I did this exercise one time where we were doing these, like, pull-ups and stuff, and my arms, the next day, I could not move them, right? I, like, I couldn't, like, extend it past this way, and I couldn't bring it. The more that I did it and the more that I continue on, my muscles would, would, would go through the pain. It would hurt at first, but then it would become stronger and it becomes bigger. Right? It's, it's the same way with our faith. It's in the seasons of testing that you realize what's in your heart. And it's in the struggle and the hardship that you actually are growing and maturing in your faith. We think sometimes, well, I'm struggling because I don't have enough faith. How many people have thought that? And when you struggle, you're like, oh, I need more faith, God. I don't have enough faith. Well, that's not the way it is. You struggle and you face trial because God sees your faith and he wants it to grow. That's why James says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. When you see struggle, right, don't think like, oh, my faith is so weak. No, they're like, oh, God is testing me. God is like, he's trying to break, help me break into this new level in my life. You're not tested because you're weak. You're tested because you're strong, and God wants you to be stronger. He needs you to be stronger for the next seasons, for the challenges and the assignments he has for you in your next seasons. Some of you guys today are going through some stuff. Some of you guys are facing depression, financial difficulties. Some of you even have doubts about your faith, about God, about everything. I want you to take this word from me today. Don't see it as weak faith, but see it as tested faith. You guys have to realize that. If you truly are in Christ Jesus, there's no thing as weak faith. It's only tested faith. Now, I, I know I'm quoting Tim Keller a lot, but I really like his writing. 
but I have a good one from him from his book, The Reason for God. It says, a faith without doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life. Now, I had to Google that word blithely. It means that it means in a way that shows casual and cheerful indifference considered to be callous and, or improper, right? So people who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she failed over the years to listen to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. Believers should acknowledge and wrestle with doubt, not only their own, but their friends and their neighbors. When I read this, it really spoke to my soul. Because I have doubts. There's times where I doubt. There's times where I feel like like I'm doing everything wrong. There's times when I feel like God is against me. There's times when I doubt his love, when I doubt his goodness. There's times even when I doubt, like, God, are you real? But it's in these moments when we have to see our faith not as weak but tested. And in the testing, God's plan is for us to know what is in our hearts and for us to overcome and for us to know how much stronger, how much wiser, how much confident, how much more resilient we are because we have faith that is tested. Like the enemy will come and say, look how, look how tiny your, look how tiny your faith is, right? But, but Jesus says, look how tiny your faith is and with that tiny faith you can do anything. And so we have a faith that is tested. We also have a faith that empowers Faith produces power in us. There's a strong correlation between faith and power, right? Uh, Matthew 13, when Jesus goes to Nazareth, his hometown, he says he did not do many mighty works or miracles there because of their unbelief, right? 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And the faith that we have in Christ is an avenue for God, for God's power to be released through our lives. Our faith in Christ has the power to save, has the power to sanctify us, power to transform us. Our faith gives us the power to overcome sin and, and live a life of obedience to God. Paul says in Romans 8:11, "If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ for Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you." Ephesians 2:320, "Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us." There is a power at work within us. Our faith in Jesus Christ has a power to shape us, to protect us, to release in us and through us the supernatural power of God for signs, miracles, wonders. And our faith is the access point for us to enter into the supernatural power of God. When we truly live our lives like, like depending on God for strength, when we truly live our life in faith, knowing that God is everything to us and we're being led by Him, obeying Him, I guarantee you will experience supernatural power of God in your life. Some of you guys will actually experience supernatural miracles. You guys will actually see miracles. I believe, and we all believe, that miracles are for today, right? God did it then, God will do it now. 
And some of you will experience miracles that to any other person, it may seem like not a big thing. But for you, it's a supernatural miracle in your life. I'll give you an example. It's my life. Me standing here preaching the gospel to you guys, right, may, seem, may not seem like a miracle. But to Chin Wan Lee, it's my American name, right, when I lived in America, who was deported to Korea, standing at the bag against carousel in Incheon Airport on May 13, 2007, he would have thought the life I live now would have been a miracle. Truly. You look like if, if, if me, 13 years ago, was told that, man, you're going to be a pastor and you're going to be, you're going to do a church plan. I would not be like, dude, have you been smoking what I've been smoking, right? But we experience these miracles. And I know that I, I have experienced the supernatural power of God over my life. As I have put my faith in Jesus Christ and I have been living for him, his kingdom, it hasn't been the easiest 13 years. I wasn't perfect. I haven't always been obedient. And I may have failed God tests here, God's tests here and there, right? But I continue to put my faith in him and I continue to experience his power in my life. The supernatural power to transform me and, and for me to look back and say, man, God's really changed me. Our faith in Christ empowers us. And it's the access point for God's supernatural power, his dunamis power, right, to flow through us when you truly believe that he can do all things. In Philippians 14, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because, it, because faith, it empowers us. Right? I want to end with this. is that faith is our, The faith that we have is a relational faith. Our faith is in a person who loves us so dearly and so much. He proved it on the cross. And he is alive and he is with us in the spirit. We can encounter him. We can experience him. We can experience his presence. In faith, we have a relationship with him. And that is what makes our faith so special. Our faith has less to do with what we feel and how strong it is, but everything to do with the object of our faith. And the object of our faith is Christ Jesus. And the, I talked about it earlier. The Bible talks about our faith. It doesn't talk about how big or strong it is, but he points to how small and tiny our faith is. He says, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Because our faith has nothing to do with what we feel or our abilities and everything to do with who it is in. You guys see that? Right? That our, It doesn't matter how big our faith is. right? It doesn't mean it matter how tiny our faith is. It all matters of who our faith is in. And our faith is in Jesus. And it's special. It's life-giving. Because Jesus is real, he is alive, and he loves us. That's why our faith is the one faith that's found in this world that's different from all the other faiths in this world. No other faith is on a God who loved people so much that he would come down to become one of us and die and take on the sins of the world so that he can claim us for himself. No other faith has a God that says, I'll do everything so that you can gain everything. Our faith is in Jesus who said, I'm going to do everything I can so that I can have a relationship with you. And our faith is based on that, on a relationship with him. He loves us so much. 
who died for us, and he can't wait to come back and claim us as his own. I mean, that's, that's what our faith is based on. He's who our faith is based on. And so it's a faith of relationship. You know, one of the most rewarding demonstration of faith found in the earth is marriage. Marriage is all about faith. You can't really have it if you don't have faith, if you don't have trust. If there's not mutual trust, right, amongst the two that are getting married, you can't really have marriage, right? And marriage, right, it really is very fulfilling and is very rewarding because of the faith and because of the trust. And marriage was modeled after our relationship with Jesus, our faith in him, which brings us into a love relationship with him. Now, I want to close with this verse, Hebrews eleven six, and it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, we look forward to 2020. We look forward to this year. We don't know what this year will bring us. But I pray and hope that whatever we face and whatever we go through and whatever may come our way, we will have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In faith, we will look to him. And in faith, we will earnestly seek him. Because there is a significance to our faith that is more than just mere words and confession. But the faith that we have in Christ has a power to transform us and to give us the life, the love, and the acceptance that Jesus wants us to have. And so I'll stand up. Let's close today.